Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we turn our focus to the idea of growth and how it is achieved. For many Christians, the idea of growing in our spiritual walk with the Lord or becoming a more mature Christian can drum up many feelings of insecurity or even embarrassment and shame. Growth is often measured by performance, and understandably, many of us see our performance as less than stellar. However, even Jesus grew while living on the earth. As Luke 2 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. So how can a discussion on growth actually be a discussion that brings assurance, peace, and hope? Well, hopefully through our discussion today, each one of us will see more clearly just how God intends for us to mature, what our role is, and how growth really happens. With that said, I hope you enjoy today's podcast, and here we go. All right, joining me today is Ben Brezina. Hey, Ross. It's good to be here. Good. Awesome. And Bo Brezina. Hello, Ross. And Tom Price. Hey, Ross. How are you guys today? Awesome. Good. Good. All right. So, as I said in the introduction, the world around us tells us that the proof of someone's growth is based on their performance. So, I had this idea in my mind of kind of how to describe that. I, I thought of an actor whose career had just begun, and people see their talent that it's raw and untapped and undeveloped. And so what they do is for years and years they practice. So 10 years go on and on. After a lot of practice, they're in a new film and they're lauded as being a you know, mature actor or a polished actor after you know, all of that practice. So the proof is in someone's growth is based on their performance. That's kind of how the world sets it up. Does the Bible set it up that way or how does the Bible view growth? Bo, I'll start with you. Well, that's uh, obviously a big question. How does the Bible view growth? Um, I think the Bible would say, yes, performance is important. Hmm. But then we have to ask, well, whose performance? <laughs> Christ's performance, our performance. You know, when he was talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 5, he said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes or Pharisees, you're not going to enter my kingdom. And I think it's so interesting that he used the pronoun your, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, now, juxtapose that to Romans 5, where it's talking about Christ's performance and the abundance of his grace and the gift of righteousness. Well, that's obviously based on his righteousness mm. and his righteous essence of who he is and also his performance on the cross for yeah. our sins. So performance is very important. The question is, is am I manufacturing it, right? Working out on my own, trying to fleshly efforts, or is it something that I'm receiving and then bearing. And mm. I think that's what we would want to highlight. Yeah. Ephesians talks about how we're predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So it's a done deal. We, our goal is to reflect him in every way, in our behavior, bearing fruit in every season. So definitely that performance is there. But we also have to think, you know, God didn't create us fully mature. I mean, he understands this process, and there's a joy in that process. You know, mm. All the things he created, I mean, you think about plants, you think about babies, how we grow physically. There's a process God has designed into the, his creation and the spiritual life. It's compared to those same physical processes. Mm. So, you know, I think God is in that business of growing us and, and looking towards that day where we're completely displaying him perfectly, yeah. but at the same time, you know, enjoying him in the growth process. Yeah. So you've said that growth is God's responsibility or God's doing that. So where does our performance play into that? Yeah. You know, where does our performance go? I, well, I think, you know, even before we get there, we have to look and say, what is growth? Hmm. And so people immediately, a lot of times we can immediately go to the fruit we want to see the fruit, and that shows that there's been growth. But when the Bible starts talking about growth, it, it starts talking about things like drinking the pure milk of the Word. So learning truth. Mm -hmm. And then it talks about being rooted and grounded in love, you know, sending your roots down deep into the love of God. And so these are all, when you look at that, it's a relational aspect to growth, mm -hmm. And so the growth is in our understanding of who God is and in his knowledge. Mm. And so when you want to when if you want to get into our role of that, I think we start we have to start saying we got to pursue God and knowing him. 
And that's what our role in, in, in growth is, you know, we can't grow ourselves. We can't struggle and try hard. Bo gives a great illustration of a grape trying to, you know, or vines trying to squeeze out a grape, mm-hmm. you know. But if we stay attached to the vine and allow the vine life to go through, then the growth is going to happen naturally through that connection. When I think about the subject of growing as a Christian, growing mm-hmm. and, and maturing, I think about the fact that there are essentially two different audiences. There's the audience of man, and then there's the audience of God. And in my own struggle, I looked to that audience of man way too often and compared myself hmm. by that standard. And that became the standard in, in, in which I would attempt to live up to. But as hmm. God has been renewing my mind to truth, and I realized, whoa, my primary audience is God. So what does God, like Ben said, what does God say about me? As you get to know him, what does he say? And he gives me a totally different perspective on what growth looks like. You know, yes, I am not fully displaying the maturity that I'm designed for. God's looking at that process, and he's not judging me in that process, but he's encouraging me, loving me. He's, he is the, the spirit, hmm. and the fruit of the spirit just emanates from him through me as, as I grow in that process. Hmm. I think the problem with the performance here is if you start to look at performance in terms of growth as a measure of your worth or value. Oh, I want to be a good Christian. I've got to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of going back to the truths that we learned in the Great Exchange, Christ crucified my old sinful self. Mm -hmm. He is the good one. He gifted me his life. I am a good Christian already because of the good gift, not the earning the mm. gift. And so I think I, I love to grow things. Years ago, I was growing blueberry bushes and had these little bitty blueberry bushes, put them in the ground, and they produced some fruit. And it was no less blueberries than the big, mature, older blueberry bushes mm. I had. Mm. They just didn't produce as much, right? And they, they were not as mature, but they were no less good blueberry bushes than the big ones, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's because they were birthed of, of the blueberry. We are birthed of God. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that probably wasn't said right, but you know what I mean. Uh, we are birthed, we are children of God. And therefore, our measurement of being good children of God is not based on our performance. It's based on the gift of him. And it has to start there. If we get that mixed up, then we'll get all into this. Well, am I doing enough to grow? Because I want to be a better Christian or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Now, when God puts a new heart in us, we do desire to produce fruit and to mature in that. Mm-hmm. But it's not for worth, value, acceptance, and those types of, of issues. And that's and where may- the danger is. And maybe it's a good to, you know, for us to define what maturity is. What's the growth that we're going towards? What is, what is it that, that it's going to look like? And I think the Bible talks about a mature believer is one who knows the truth, has been established in the truth, and the truth is a person. So he knows God, and he hears his voice, and he submits his will and, and follows. And it doesn't matter what is going on circumstantially, his faith is unshakable. Right, And so you get a picture throughout the Bible, and nobody's perfect. Nobody's faith is ever not compromised yeah. at some point. But the men of great faith that you would say are mature believers are the ones that know their God, and they hear his voice, and they do what he says, mm-hmm. and they walk in that relationship with him. And so that would be what what we're defining as maturity. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily doing a lot of good works. Which, but if we're listening to God and he's, he's going to lead us into those good works, mm. but you, it's also possible to, you know, heal the sick and preach the gospel and do things on behalf and for Jesus to end up in the end saying, I never knew you mm. depart from me. Yeah. So obviously that's not the definition of a fully mature believer. It has to have that relational component. Mm. And so that's what we're growing in, I think, and in process of is getting to know God's heart better. And we're also in the process of being obedient when he leads us, you know, that we can still be pulled by the flesh, 
to yeah. some fleshly desires. And then also this idea of we need God to teach us about who he is and what's good and what's evil. And the Bible talks about by practice, we can discern those things and embrace the good and reject the evil. You know, you've uh, defined what maturity is, what growth is, and I think it would also be good to define what performance is. Because when we, when we hear that word perform, we think of an action, like I've got to do good works, like you said. But a lot of times, I think in this situation, the performance is faith. It's an obedience. It's a trust. So it might not necessarily be, you know, an action. It may just be a belief in that instance so that, you know, maturity oftentimes comes from us believing the truth, which then in turn turns into an action most of the time, but not always, because the performance may be an actions lacking at times, but a true mature believer is wrestling with the truth, or is believing the truth, is resting their life on the truth, so that performance also is important for us to establish what that means. And I think it's important, the faith aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, as I look at you and you look at me, you can only guess at what my level of faith is and mm. how much I'm operating from the faith, yeah. from faith. But God knows exactly where I'm at, what I'm doing, mm. you know, what's behind what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. He knows what lies I'm believing. He knows what truth I'm believing. Uh, going back to your example of the actor, you know, yeah. I, I can watch a, a young actor and go, yeah, they're not very good. But what I'm not looking at is the fact that they're acting because that's what they want to do. Mm. And they're pursuing it because that's what they want to do. And I forget sometimes when I'm looking at a young Christian and I go, oh, man, they're not, they're not acting like a very good Christian. <laughs> but I forget that what is it they want? What is their heart desire? Mm. That there is a desire in there. I want to grow. I want to be pleasing to God. Mm. And I don't look at that all the time. I don't see that. But God always sees that. And I think I have to keep that in mind for myself when I'm start judging myself. Is God, what do you see? Hmm. Yeah. And then He is able to speak into my life. This is what I see, Tom. I want to remind you of the truth here. Yeah. yeah sometimes when the thing we need to distinguish too is when we talk about performance, some people think of acting, like putting on a show that's not really authentic. Hmm. But to Tom's point, when I have got this new heart, right, and I've got a, a heart that's alive to God that beats based on his life in me, then the actions that come out that are based on faith in Christ in me are an authentic representation of the life of God. It's not a sh- putting on a show. Yeah. And so we're not talking about I'm showing out better. You know, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's a authentic, life-giving, internal manifestation of this intimacy that Ben was talking about. Yeah. Peter says, you know, grow in grace and in the knowledge of, of our Lord and Savior, right? And that gets back to the Ben's idea. When we get rooted in this deep knowledge of who God is and we grow in embracing through faith this favor, this abundance of grace, then we see the manifestations of that in authentic ways. Yeah. So just, you know, to move this forward a little bit, let's clarify, because I want to know, you know, some people might still not be clear on exactly in the growth process and the performance process what God's role is, and what our role is, right? Because I think that those need to be really clear for people so they know where they fit in this process. Well, when I think of that, I think of Philippians 2, you know, 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, I got to get at it. You know, I got to, what does this mean? I got to honor God and reverence him. And obviously that's where the beginning of knowledge starts, right? Reverencing and honoring Mm -hmm. God, investing our faith in what God says. But he immediately follows that in verse 13, It says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work. So I see it as... For his good pleasure. For his good pleasure. I left (laughs) off that my favorite phrase. How could I do that? (laughs) Because he's enjoying the process. But he's also the one is that he's the author and finisher of faith, right? Mm. So he's the alpha and the omega. And so I view it of him as the initiator and me as the responder, right? Mm. Uh, I am listening for his voice believing what he's, but yet I'm choosing to study the word and I'm choosing to, mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a both and, if, if that makes sense. Sure. 
You know, I think God is definitely the initiator. He's calling us into that intimate, more intimate relationship. Um, not only that, he, the scripture's clear. He's, his power is the one that's, that's driving it. Mm. So his life in us, and uh, he's the one that teaches us. He's taking responsibility for that. He reminds us, and he's leading us and guiding us. He wants us to follow. It is a relationship, but it's characterized by that characteristic that Bo was saying, a leader and a follower. Mm. So submitting is a big part of what we're doing. We, not only do we have to learn how to hear him, then we have to choose to follow. And that's what Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they, and I know them and they follow me. That really is the dynamic for us is we learn to recognize God's voice by entering a relationship the same way we learn other people. Mm-hmm. You know, spend time with them, hear God's voice, talk to God, listen to God, read the words that he's already said out there. And by pursuing a relationship, that's our role. You know, we pursue that, and then when he does speak, then we submit to his leading, knowing that he's got our best interests in mind. Yeah. And I think that you know it is a dynamic, but it's through his power and his life that we're submitting to. Well, and based off what you said, this thought came into my mind, Wills. I don't always want to read my Bible. I don't always want to pursue him, you know, like, and that's just being honest. Like, some days I'm just tired. Some days, you know, like, and so how does that affect our growth, or does it? <laughs> I can relate to that, Ross. <laughs> I told him, I told the guys coming into the session that I felt like the dull crayon in the crowd here. But uh, the thing I do have to remember about myself is, yes, there may be moments where oh, I don't feel like reading my Bible mm-hmm. or I don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like doing it. But what I always feel like doing every time is knowing God. Mm. That never changes. Yeah. And I forget that sometimes. And I have to remember that that is the desire of my heart. Mm -hmm. And nothing can change that. And even a lot of Bible reading and journaling and praying doesn't increase that desire. Mm. It, it, you know, it brings it out more, but the desire is always there. Yeah. I I think we need to be careful about who the I is. We need to be careful about what we identify with. That's good, yeah. So definitely in my flesh... Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, my flesh is, could tell me in the morning that that I, you want to keep sleeping. You don't want to get out of bed. I mean, I got up at bed at 630 this morning. And I went and exercised. My body was telling me you don't want to get out and exercise. You know, <laughs> you want to stay here. And so I think we have to be careful, though, about, you know, Tom's already talked about our desires, our true desires. Yeah. What is it that we really want? And I think a, a believer will want to know God. You know, there, there's something in in a new creation that wants to know God. That doesn't mean the voice of the flesh, the physical desires will pull us away from that. Sometimes those are really strong when we're tired, we're not feeling good. Those are pulling at us hard, but but deep down. So when when I have that thought, I you can take it two ways. You can say, God wants me to get up and read my Bible, but I really want to stay here and sleep. Mm. You know, now you've identified with the desires of the flesh mm-hmm. rather than identifying with our, our true desire, which is I want to know God. Yeah. And these, yes, my flesh is pulling hard, but and then when you identify with that, that's more empowering for me to actually get up and do it because I know that's what I really want to do, even the, and I recognize the flesh for what it is, that it's pulling against me, but that's not who I am. You know, Paul says we are not... In the flesh, we're spiritual beings with the Holy Spirit in us. If we and if we don't have the Spirit, we don't belong to Him. So that's a characteristic of us, and and I think we need to be careful about what we're identifying mm. with. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I think uh, along the lines of what Ben and Tom are talking about, feelings are are powerful. They're real. I mean, if you don't feel like reading the Bible, that's a fact. Mm. You don't feel like it. But they're not necessarily, and this t- plays into Tom's point. They're not necessarily based on truth. The truth is, is I really do desire intimacy Mm. with God. And so if I understand that, it's another door of intimacy. Okay, God, I'm going to talk to you about why I don't feel like doing this. Mm. Well, it could be I am setting my mind on the flesh. And even some of my Bible reading has actually been done out of the flesh sometimes. Mm, sure, yeah. Either to get rid of that feeling, you know, <laughs> feel better as a Christian, feel yep. more, or, or something that's really not birth of God. And so if I understand that my feelings are not necessarily based on truth, I have this gateway into intimacy, a, a doorway I could choose to go through and say, okay, God, 
let me talk to you about how I'm feeling about this. And maybe it is the Spirit of God saying, no, it is time to go read. Hmm. I have some special things that I'm going to reveal to you. Or maybe he shows me that, well, Bo, you're actually trying to you're, perform your Bible reading to feel better about yourself, and your energy's running out, and that's why you feel that way. And reading the Bible is just your way of trying to feel right about yourself, mm-hmm. not coming to me yeah. as the source of your righteousness. So it's really important to understand those feelings are not always based on truth. Yeah. That's a good transition because you know we've we've touched on a few of them, but the spiritual disciplines, a lot of times, are the way that the Christian community and the church have talked about growing uh, or deepening our relationship with God. So you know, prayer, fasting, Bible study, that kind of stuff. And so, Bo, you just kind of started that discussion, but how do those help our growth and our maturity and our intimate relationship with God? And is that the best way of doing it? There's a, there's the idea that if I do these things, I will be a better Christian. I will be more acceptable. That's the wrong thinking. Hmm. Because the truth is, in Christ, I'm fully, fully accepted, fully loved, fully righteous. I don't. These things don't make that better. They don't add to it. And I think the years that I really struggled with all of this. I had a, a measure, a certain measurement, a, a target that I wanted to hit, and I could never hit it. Hmm. And so, like time in the Bible. Or oh whatever. yeah, oh yeah, all that. And so, based on the on the idea that I have to hit this target in order to be acceptable, well, what does that mean? That means I'm not acceptable. Hmm. And so, my big secret walking around among Christian folk is you, you're in the presence of a guy who's not acceptable, but he's got to wear a mask. You can't see that. Hmm. Okay. Well, now I understand that there is a privilege in reading Scripture and talking to God and, you know, uh, and being involved in the disciplines. But the way I'm been, I can't think of it as a discipline. That's just me, though. I'm not saying this uh, as a prescription for anybody else. Because as soon as I start thinking that way, I immediately put myself under law. That's what I do. And the law does not improve my life. If I do it because... I want to do it, but like we just said, I have to recognize what the want to is. Mm-hmm. But when I start doing it because I want to do it, there's so much joy and richness in the activity of Bible reading and prayer and things like that. What Tom described is really the trap, I think, that has affected people you know, since Jesus, but even before. I mean, you have the Pharisees doing things, and Jesus said they received their reward, and that's that they did it better than everybody else so that they felt better about themselves, and that is a trap. You know, I agree with Tom. For me, I think the way that's helped me to look at it is look at it in relational terms. I mean, this is, is really a relationship with God. Jesus opened the door for us to have intimacy with God, the veil split when he was at the cross, giving us access into the presence of God, and we have boldness now. And so this is really what people call disciplines, is a way to foster that relationship. And so when you start thinking about a relationship with a significant spouse or something, how are you going to build relationship? You know, well, you can write letters to one another, and you can read what she's thinking about, and I can take her out on a date and spend time one-on-one, and I can just set aside some special times for togetherness. And so when you start, when I start looking at the at the disciplines, you have to look in relational terms. This, these are things that building a relationship involved. So reading the word, we talk about reading the word. That's God's interacted with people and he's revealed himself. Who is his character? What's his character? What his promises? What has he given us? Hmm. And and what is he saying to us that he wants us to know? And so we go and spend time in the word. Prayer is conversation. It's talking and listening. 
giving thanks. I mean, that's an important aspect of any relationship. You know, if you're around somebody that's not grateful for anything you do, I mean, that really is an irritation in the relationship. But it also does something for us, I think, and draws us into the goodness of God when we take time to think about all the good things he's done. Mm. Fasting, that's just one one aspect to all those things that tend to distract us, you know, and the, the physical things that, that we're attached to by breaking that or giving that up for a time and just to focus on God and hearing his voice. I mean, all these things, it's helped me to view it as a relational aspect, and that helps me avoid the trap of I'm better, I'm, I'm doing it better than that guy, I feel mm. better about myself. All that stuff is just flesh patterns. Yeah. Yeah. If I could play off of Ben's relational uh, point there, it kind of reminds me of marriage advice. You know, I get marriage advice. I hear, you know, I've been married for many years, and, Bo, you're supposed to set a time every week to have a date night, you know, especially after you get kids because it's hard to go on dates, and you used to go on dates, and that's going to be important for your marriage. Okay, i got to do date night. And then if I approach that as something that I have to do, right, is my wife going to feel very loved by that? Well, I mean, probably not, right? Yeah. It's just it's something. And that's how I approached, oh, I'm supposed to be reading my Bible. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be praying. I'm supposed to be giving. I'm supposed to be giving thanks. And what I think we need to remember is the great exchange. The life of Christ is in me. I'm one with him. Mm-hmm. I'm alive to him. I long for him. I It's like dating my wife. You didn't have to tell me that when we were dating because I wanted to know her. I wanted to experience her. I wanted to be with her and have, share an experience with her. And Christ has given us that desire, not that I always feel like it. Yeah, some mornings I don't feel like it, but inside, knowing what Tom had said, I desire. And so normal and natural, healthy relationship, yeah, it's going to be a, a journey of, of investing that time. Yeah. So I think the disciplines are beautiful. And they're, as long as they're correctly identified as, as a birth of, of the work of God in me. Yeah. I like to, I've heard it before, so it's not mine, but I've heard it described as they are not prescriptive, but descriptive. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that they are not, you know, these are not prescriptions that you have to do in order to have relationship. You already have a relationship with God. He's, mm-hmm. he's already as close as he's ever going to be. It's describing what you already have and what you already want. So you already want to talk to him. You already want to spend time in his word. You already want to. And the reality is, is understanding that, believing that, because, you know, we've talked about the relationship part of it. Bo, you just brought up marriage. I'm pretty sure that if somebody told me I needed to talk to my wife for this amount of time every day and write, you know, read her writings for this amount of time every day and do this amount of time every day, one week in, two weeks in, one year in, I might be like, okay, I don't really want to do that anymore, right? (laughs) As opposed to like, I love talking to my wife, you know, and because I don't have this, as you said, Tom, this number in my mind or that it's not a prescription to be married to her or to have a good relationship with her, to have this certain number of time, I, I don't worry about it. I'm not stressed about it. I don't feel down about the amount of times amount of time I spend talking to my wife because it's, it's descriptive what I already want to do. And so it's good to us for us to think about that because the word discipline, like you, Tom, I get that same reaction. I'm like, okay, I've got to discipline myself to make sure that I spend time talking to God. Well, and that immediately is like, okay, cool, yeah, I want to, but then as soon as I start doing that over and over and over, I'm like, man, this is getting tedious. I don't, you know, like, and then that, you almost feel like that want to goes away, mm-hmm. and as opposed to, no, I want to talk to God. In fact, I really enjoy going throughout my day when something comes up, having a conversation and just talking and just building that relationship because that's just natural and normal of what I already have with Him. Yeah, one of the one of the disciplines I think in the book, if in this chapter, is is gratitude, mm-hmm. giving thanks. Yep. And the more that I have, the Lord has revealed the knowledge of this new identity in Him, mm. the more that I have given thanks. It, it's a natural, spontaneous reaction to growing in the knowledge, and and so it goes mm. something like this: God. I didn't earn this righteousness. You gave it to me. You made me completely right. I don't have to achieve it. I couldn't achieve it. I was, and so thank you. Yeah. And then as I thank him, it reminds me of his character quality, which mm-hmm. leads to worship. Wow, you're a generous giver, right? Mm-hmm. You are incredibly gracious that you would gift that to some. And so it it starts a it's a reverberation mm-hmm. between different disciplines that's birthed out of relational. Uh, truth and knowledge, and that has grown the more that I invest my faith in him, mm. birthed out of desire. Yeah. 
there's a temptation, I think, when you're doing something to get something. If your goal is to grow, you know, okay, so I need to do mm. this to grow. And, and then you, you need to measure you know, sure, yeah. and so that can be that trap too. The, yeah. the growth is not, I mean, it, a mature Christian is loved just as much as by God is just as much as an in, immature Christian, which is what Tom was referring to. Mm-hmm. And so it hel- it's helpful for me to not pursue growth, to pursue God and let the growth happen. And, and that helps me avoid the, the trap of, of trying to, I need to do this in order to grow because I got to get this process done, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And uh, if I pursue God and knowing Him, it takes some of that off the table. Yeah. I grew up in churches where when you walked in the door, they gave you an envelope, and on that envelope was a checklist of everything that you did this week right, you know. And if you didn't do it, then you didn't check it. And so every every Sunday, that envelope was a reminder of how much I missed the mark. Wow. And I lived with that for years and years and years and years. And that's how I began to measure my performance. Mm. And my conclusion was, well, Tom, you're just not a very good performer. So therefore, you'll always be kind of down here on the bottom of the pile. So uh, just to kind of tie this up in a bow um, before we go on to kind of our personal stories with this, do you think it's possible as a believer and as a secure child of God for us to just not grow? I don't, I don't think that it is. I mean, it's it's a done deal. Romans 8.29 says, Those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And so I think he's made us new in Christ, and there's going to be an unveiling. And we can work against that. Hmm. You know, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can not listen to his voice, not submit. We can work against it, but that's where the discipline of the Lord comes in. His sons, he's going to discipline his sons and daughters, and that's to bring us to a realization that there's bankruptcy when we put our confidence in the flesh. Hmm. We're not going to get our needs met and it's going to be exposed through discipline. And, you know, I think we can work against it, but I think it's going to happen. I mean, it's God's doing it and it's going to happen and we're all on a different path and a different timetable. And my encouragement for myself and others, let's participate with it rather than fight it, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's going to happen. That's my belief. I don't know what you guys think. Well, it's Christ who's at work in you, both the will and the work. So to Ben's point, yes, you can set your mind on the flesh, and you won't experience growth, and that would be a tragedy, right? But the other thing, that the other facet of this is that you could be growing, but if you're trying to self-assess your growth, you might be out of tune. <laughs> and so you might be focused on self-assessing and mm. Christ is actually growing you yeah. and you're growing, but you're using a worldly measuring stick and you're mm. so focused on your performance that you're not focused on Christ. And so mm. you're not even aware of exactly how he's growing you because you're thinking this is mm. what I think growth should look like, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And so that would be another fleshly pitfall where Christ is actually is working in me, but because I'm focused on my external measurements, I'm judging myself as deficient in this growth. I should be somewhere where I'm not. When in reality, Christ has been working, and I'm just not using my faith to identify what he's doing. So you you would say that even if we might not see it, because Christ is still working, we are still growing. Yes, because he says he's the one that's working us. Mm -hmm. And I would agree with that. Um, I I believe that you are still growing even when you don't think you are. Hmm. Because you're looking at it from your perspective or from from somebody else's perspective. But God, he sees all the growth. Even whenever you're struggling and you may be in a season in your life, well, right now I'm I'm angry with God or I'm mad with God and, and I don't want to talk to him. And so you might perceive, well, I'm not growing. But God's like, wink, wink, yes, you are. Yeah. I'm working in you right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we, 
don't think about this often maybe, but God sees our whole life laid out together. I yeah. mean, he sees the end from the beginning and the path we're on and the decisions that we'll make and what he's doing in the middle of it. So from ours, it's just today, tomorrow, am I growing? You know, but he sees mm. the whole path from yeah. infant to maturity and he says that it's going to happen. You yeah. know, and because God's the one that's making it to happen. Yeah. And I think ultimately if, you know, God is who he says he is and he's in control of all things, then he's not worried or threatened or surprised by our moments when we're not listening or we choose to, quote unquote, not grow, you know, and not believe what he says and stand on his truth. And so I think he's just, like you said, he he sees our whole life, but even the moments when we're not, quote unquote, growing, I would say that is a growth moment because we're choosing in that choice to not live by faith we're learning, <laughs> right? We learn from the pain that that causes, mm-hmm. from the consequences that come from that. I mean, I can see that in my own life. It's like multiple times, it's like God was like almost saying, your discipline is going to be, you're just going to experience what comes with not living this way, not living by my spirit, because there are natural consequences of that. And you're going to have to deal with that. And that will actually train you for the future. Of, so that next time when that same situation comes up, you're actually going to be like, hey, you know what? I don't want to go through that again. I do want to actually listen to what God has because he's for me. And then all of a sudden that growth that you know may have been looking like it wasn't there or just on pause, it's now accelerated because you've, you've learned that much more. You know the experience of the opposite of not trusting God as opposed to actually trusting him. And the beautiful thing about this is, is even when he's disciplining or you're going to experience the consequences, he says, I'm never going to leave you nor mm-hmm. forsake you. In yeah. other words, I'm going to join journey with you through those consequences. Yeah. And that's another opportunity where you think you're not growing, but you're growing because his presence is there yeah. ministering to you in the pain of the consequences of your sin. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Well, he also said in Philippians 1, 6, he said, I'm, he's confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So Paul was confident. I think we can be confident, and we don't have to focus on trying to see how it's happening. Mm-hmm. But we do. I do think we can speed the process along by... Mm-hmm pursuing him and listening to his voice and then doing what he what he says yeah. when he leads us. Well, Ben, I'll start with you then along those lines. So how have you seen in your life stories, you know, events in your life where you've seen growth or you've seen God work in your life and just that experience that you've had? And along those lines, how did you see God working and how did you play your part as well? You know, I look back at my life and I see the times that I can see growth in my faith or my trust in God is when we face difficulties and I called on him and he responded, you know, maybe not responded like I intended, but I can look back and see him working in my life and the path of my life and him being with me and leading me to where I'm at and the things that I have been blessed by in that. And even the difficulties and adversities, like I thought I was going, I think in the, in a past podcast, I shared about, a, you know, I thought I was going on the path to play football and I got injured and was unable to do that. But in that, God redirected my life in a new direction. Hmm. At the time it was hard and I could question God's presence. But I think those, those instances, I've been in, in car wrecks, I've been you know, through cancer with my daughter, we've lost babies. But through all those difficulties, probably the most, I see him building my faith and my trust. And by looking back at those, there's a strength that I know that he's there mm. and that he cares about me. And then he didn't drop me in those mm. situations, which has established me deeper in his love, deeper in my trust and my, in my faith. Mm. And I think that has helped me be willing to submit more quickly, you know, and it's not that I always submit quickly and the pull of the flesh is still there. But to me, that's the way that I can see the growth in my, in my trust of him is deeper Hmm. than it's ever been, but it's been a process. I mean, a big chunk of my life, I didn't understand that Christianity was not a thing that you do to achieve something. It's a personal relationship. So there was a start there, I think, Hmm of just learning that it's really about a relationship and then through that relationship of interactions and experiences uh, I've learned to trust him more based on his character 
not only what I've seen in Scripture, but what I've seen him do through our circumstances. So in that moment, you know, like you used the football example where you got injured and couldn't weren't able to do that. How did, you know, was there a moment where you're like, uh, aha, you know, like I see God working in my life, and so that makes me bring, you know, like how did that process of that experience help you to grow, like specifically? Yeah, you know, at the time, I didn't see it because I was still in performance-based Christianity Mm. thinking it was a formula that works or doesn't work, Mm. you know, but looking back on it, it it ended up changing my direction for school, Mm -hmm. which impacted the relationships that I had there, the people God brought into my life that shared truth and showed me how to live it out. And even to the person that I ended up marrying, which I met at that school, Mm. And so at some point, and I don't know where it was, but it was after, you know, I started learning about Christianity being a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And then I started looking differently back at the path of my life and seeing those challenges, how God was faithful. And it was at that point, I think, that my faith deepened. You know, going forward, it's easier for me to trust in the situation and then quicker to realize that that was God working there. Mm. So it's been a process. And I'm, Mm. you know, I think there was a period of time when we were going through cancer with my daughter that it felt like my whole life was up in the air and that everything, you know, the box of puzzle pieces had been tossed, you know, and I didn't, they landed in a completely different arrangement. Hmm. But having turned to God in that moment and him giving us peace and there was so much needed wisdom, financial provision, all these resources, place to stay, how to get to Texas where we had to go and get, all these decisions that had to be made. He was there every step. And as, as he was there with us, it was a strengthening and a grounding. And so we got to a year and a half of treatment. And I told Emory, I said, if we were to go through this process again, I don't think we would go through it the same way because of the the grounding in our faith that happened Mm. as we walked with him through that extremely difficult time. There was a felt, so to speak, maturity there. And it always related to a deeper trust Mm. that even if everything goes, and I don't have anything, and the worst fears happen, hmm. but I have Christ, he's going to be enough. Yeah. And that's where the peace comes from. If you're afraid of something in your life, you know, and you have this dread that this is going to destroy you, just go all the way. Think about the worst-case scenario, mm-hmm. and then ask yourself, is God enough if all that happens And if you can answer yes, you'll experience peace. Hmm. And to me, a a fully mature believer always answers yes to that. So I think, you know, in that sense, we're on that journey Hmm. of being able to answer yes to that Hmm. and and fully trusting God. Now, sometimes I fully trust God, and sometimes I want to take back control, and I say, I want this to happen, and this I need this, and Hmm. I need this person to do this. and, And then I'm off into dependence on the flesh. And that's the growth, I think, is that growth in faith, growth in submission. And those difficult times, I can look back and see God showing himself strong, showing that he was there, giving us peace in the middle of it. And that helps me rely on him Mm. going forward in a deeper way. in Bible college and it was pretty early on and there was a man who a pastor who had came who came to campus to interview students uh, looking for a youth pastor position hmm. and so I got on his schedule I thought oh, yeah I'm interested in that so it was my turn I went in there and I don't even remember the questions he asked me except for the one question he he said so how is your how was your quiet time and I defaulted to honesty, and I said, well, I struggle in that area. 
you know, I try to be consistent, but there, I tell you, there's mornings where, where I just don't have a quiet time. And he stopped right there in the middle of that. And he looked at me and he says, what are you even doing here? Hmm. He said, this is a Bible college preparing people for ministry. And if you can't do that, then what are you even doing here? Hmm. And he just started raking me over the coals. Hmm. And I walked out of there and I felt lower than a snake's belly. Hmm. And I thought, what am I doing here if I can't get that right? And so that defined my view of myself for a long time. And I'd already been struggling with a lot of doubt uh, that was leading up to that moment. And that didn't help at all. But fast forward many years, um, when I started understanding my identity and God securing me and Him and what I believed, and I started relaxing and listening to Him, then I started addressing this idea, all right, God, you you know how inconsistent I am with, quote, disciplines and habits. Mm. And it was almost like he said, yeah, and. Um, <laughs> and so I thought, well, I know I need to be reading my Bible more than I read it. Here I am, a pastor, and I don't, I don't read it consistently. And, and I just sensed him saying to me, yes, I want you to read it, but I want you to read it because you want to read it. Because I can't really speak to you if you're reading it because you have to. Hmm. And so I did this weird thing. I'm, again, not prescribing this for everybody. This is, I just, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to read my Bible when I want to read it. And I'm going to take the pressure off of myself that I have to read it. Hmm. And that took a while because I was so used to that pressure because I'd lived with that since I was a small child. And this amazing thing began to happen. Wow, I want to. I want to read this. But it's kind of the Bible for me is kind of like a buffet. When I go to a buffet, I don't eat everything on the buffet. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I love that. I'm going to go get me some of that. So I found myself spending more and more time in certain parts of the Scripture, especially mm-hmm. in the New Testament. I, that's where I seem to go to the buffet mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, I spend a lot of time reading uh, Paul's writings, especially. And something amazing was happening. I was experiencing growth. Hmm. And one thing I'd always struggled with was scripture memorization. I mean, I I can't even remember my phone number half the time. <laughs> um, and and I, if somebody didn't ask me what my social security number was occasionally, I wouldn't even forget sure, that. Yeah. Sometimes I ask, what's my social security number again? You should tell me. <laughs> and so scripture memorization you know, I tried that as a discipline for years, and I just failed. I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not memorizing scripture. I'm not gonna try. And now I probably know more scripture from memory, without intentionally trying to memorize scripture, than I've ever had in my entire life. Mm. Well, it's because I finally let go of this idea that this is what I have to do to become this, mm. and started allowing God to just. It, it, it's a natural organic process Hmm. and it's not about being disciplined it's about growing in intimacy with god and enjoying all the different adventures that he has for me in that i'm not bent like everybody else and i kept comparing myself yeah and whoever's listening here don't compare yourself to me Mm -hmm. because you may be a person who's bent toward i love i love disciplined actions i like to know exactly what i'm doing every day don't throw that away keep doing that that's Mm. that's the way you're bent do that but mine looks a little different. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, uh, but I, I feel God's pleasure in this process, and that's the that's the wonderful thing that's come out of all this. For me, you know, I think you can look at growth from a macro perspective. That's like looking back over several years. Oh, that happened, and this happened, and God did this. But I think all of this growth is happens in micro moments of trust and faith. Mm-hmm. And belief, like Ben asking, the worst case scenario, would God be enough? That was a moment. I'm sure it was played over multiple times. Or, or Tom hearing the Spirit's voice talking to him about Scripture. For me, it was I was at church one day. This is just one little glimpse of mm-hmm. a micro moment. I was at church, and I got a, a sinful, tempting thought. I don't know if anybody else has had that at church. Sure. Surely not. <laughs> and because the I had been the Lord had been teaching me and rooting me in my identity as a righteous son of God, a new creation in Christ, understanding how he had made me new. I, he, his spirit 
brought that truth to light. And in that moment, I took the thought captive. And I said, that's not my thought. Mm. That is not, that's not consistent with who I am as a new creation in Christ. And so I, I did what the scripture said. I rejected that thought I, I, and I set my mind on truth. And in that moment, I experienced God's grace. I experienced freedom. Mm. Now, contrast to that, to maybe just a few days, weeks, or years earlier when I was less mature, it would have gone something like this. I would feel such shame. Why did I have that thought? What's wrong? I got to do something now because mm. what kind of Christians have those kind of thoughts? Man, I'm a bad Christian. I've got to read scripture more. I've got to do something. I've got to work. And that would be trying to produce grapes in my own strength. And so in that micro moment, so to speak, I put my faith in, in the fact of who I am. I rejected the sinful temptation. I enjoy his peace and church. Now, that's not going to be a life you know, shaking. It didn't, it's not like yeah. I went and led all of China to Christ, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but in that moment, it's a micro growth. And those, those moments of growth added together is how we see the, the life of Christ shine brighter and brighter through us. You know, recently my, my kids, my wife has this special plant that's, that grows really rapidly. And she was saying, I think you can almost see it growing. And so my boys decided to set up a um, time-lapse photograph of it yeah and you can't really see it growing but then when you do the time lapse and you speed it up you actually do see it and it's really kind of cool yeah. and that's where you get that macro picture oh wow he is doing great things mm -hmm. so that's one story that's awesome yeah no i think you know a lot of the common lines through all three of your stories is that you know there are trials tribulations temptations and it's in that refining fire, if we might call it that way, that we kind of understand where we're at and uh, what kind of growth is happening. Because, you know, I think as you can probably see sometimes where you failed and then sometimes where you succeeded, but not beyond that, it's just even you can see how God is producing in you this faith that is becoming more and more solid, you know? Go ahead. Yeah, and I think that's a principle throughout Scripture. You see God working in somebody's life, and then you see him put them to the test mm -hmm. yeah. to see whether or not they're they're really believing. And I, you know, it's possible for us to deceive ourselves about what we're believing, mm -hmm. and that's really a lot of what it is 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 discovering lies that we're believing and how it's playing out in our life. Yeah. And God's faithful to show that to us. You know, with my daughter, I remember. In my mind, I would have never said that I was holding on to my daughter's life as an idol, so to speak, or that I needed her to be alive, to be yeah. okay. Yeah. But when it was when I was confronted with her frailty and her possible death, I mean, I realized how much I was clinging to that as mm -hmm. as a key to my own happiness and you know satisfaction in life. And and I remember the moment I was sitting in in a restaurant with my pastor, and the words came out of my mouth, surely God wouldn't take my daughter from me, mm. you know, and I realized at that moment that I was holding on to her more than I was holding on to God when I would never would have said that, yeah. but it was a test and I, and it was exposed, but it wasn't a condemning voice. Like Tom was saying, it was like, God just exposed something that was mm. keeping me from greater intimacy and dependence on him. Mm. Yeah. The, as you're talking about that, it makes me think like, God doesn't cause those things. You know, he's not, he didn't cause your daughter's cancer in order to test you, but he used it to reveal what it is you might have been believing. And so he, in, a, in a roundabout way, he used it for your good without causing it, without you know, being the one that hurled it at you. But he used it in such a way that grew the intimacy with you and him even through such a difficult situation. Yeah, you're getting into the the problem of, of evil. And, sure. Yeah, and, yeah and, and, and thanks for clarifying that. We don't want to, you know, you could spend a whole podcast sure, just talking yeah. about that. Yeah. But definitely God allows us to go into testing at times. Yeah. I mean, you see that in Scripture. I mean, I think one of uh, Peter and his temptation to deny Jesus, and he denied him. And I mean, that was something he said he would never do, mm. you know. And so he, Jesus realized that about him, and Satan was allowed to tempt him. Yeah. And so there's a difference between, yeah, cancer and the temptation to rely on something yeah. physical, and God's going to expose that in the process. So, yeah, I don't believe that, that God gave cancer to yeah. my daughter. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think, honestly, a lot of times when God tests us, I think, I think we're surprised by how 
much our faith helps us stand. I mean, I think a lot of times we, you know, I'm, I've never, my, my, neither of my children have ever had cancer before, so I've never been faced with that. But I think about like, man, if I went through that, I'm not, you know, I don't know, have any idea how I'd react to that. And I hope I would react in faith and, in, you know, as uh, many of the ways you reacted, but I don't know. And, and so in some ways, I think that when we're tested and we're facing those, God knows, God's given us a level, a measure of faith. God knows our measure of faith. God knows what he's doing in our lives. And I really think we often get surprised by like, man, I really do trust God through this, even though this is awful. You know, we had a miscarriage. Uh, my wife and I did our first kid, had a miscarriage. And I remember the pain and I also remember at the very same time that God is good and that he's trustworthy and that I know he's for me. And I can't explain this, why it happened, why this child was taken away. But I had no doubt in my mind that God was still good. You know, like, and it was in that moment that I know that it was a test. But at the same time, I think God also allows these tests a lot of times to prove to us just what kind of growth he's already shown in us. That reminds me of the scripture in Corinthians. There's no temptation that's ever taking you except which is common to man. God who's faithful give you a way of escape. Mm-hmm. And the way of escape is using the faith that he's given you. Yeah. And that's one of the things I think he's doing in my life now. He's, he's saying, Bo, enjoy investing your faith in me today. Yeah. You don't have to worry about whether you have what it takes for tomorrow. I'm going to be there. I'm going to give you what it takes. Enjoy investing in your faith in me today in what I've put before you today, the testing, the trials, the tribulations, the joys, whatever they are. Mm. And that's how we grow. Yeah. One day at a time, yeah. trusting that that's enough. Yeah. He's enough. So we've talked, obviously, about the struggles that oftentimes bring about growth. So let's talk about how there are struggles in our lives that we still are dealing with in terms of our own spiritual growth or the things that we struggle with in terms of understanding it. How do you guys see that the biggest challenge in your life? For me, the biggest challenge is still the temptation to put myself under law. Okay, Even though I understand it, I understand what the function of law is. And, you know, Paul said that the law was... Uh, made for the unrighteous. Yeah. And I know that in Christ I'm a righteous person. Law is not made for me. I love the law. Mm-hmm. I love what it what it says, what it represents, uh, because it represents my heart. Yeah. But when I utilize it to manage my behavior, it doesn't produce righteousness because I'm already righteous. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's awesome. Good way of saying uh, um, it. And so when I, w- my challenge is to remind myself, wait a minute, Tom, you get to do what you want to do. What do you want to do? Oh, I want to grow. I want to know God more. Mm. And so now that's an invitation into whatever the Spirit leads me to do to foster that. I think probably in, in my own words, but similar to Tom's, it's the idea that I can do something to be better. <laughs> you know, it's a fleshly temptation that... Yep. And that's a double-edged sword because either you get prideful, like I am better, mm. I've done it, yeah. you know, look how good I'm <laughs> doing, right? Or man, what's wrong with me? When am I ever going to get a hold of this flesh pattern or this sin? I gotta, I'm horrible. I'm not doing enough. I gotta work harder. And either way, it robs me from experiencing intimacy because I'm not investing my faith in Christ's resources in me. I'm resu- mm. investing my faith in my resources. Yeah. To me, I think, in, in the world trains us that way. They say, if you want to be something, do it, right? Yep. If you want to be a success, go show it. If you want to be a good Christian, work at it. And the Bible does say that we work, but according to his mighty power in us, yeah. not Bo's weak and <laughs> limited and finite that gets tired. And and so it's, it's a renewing of my mind process where I'm tempted to measure myself or evaluate myself or compare myself, you know, and I think that's to me is one of the great struggles. Yeah. And I would add to that. One of the struggles for me is just the distractions that are out there. There, there's so many distractions in our world 
And I, I think about the parable of the soils, you know, and the one that, that took off and grew up quickly, and then it, it didn't have the, the root, and there was the other one that grew up, but the thorns choked it out. And the thorns were the, the cares of this world, and, and that is competing. We operate in this world. We need money to operate in this world. We have relationships that are uh, tempting us to try to get life, draw life from significant relationships. We can spend a lot of time and energy thinking about how to get money, you know, and how to, what to do with money and how to enjoy money. There's all these distractions that are out there. And so that's a very real temptation for me to keep the, the focus on Christ and pursuing knowing him. And it is, it's a fight. Paul described it as the fight of faith, fight the good fight. It's a good fight, but it's a fight of faith, of believing. And, you know, at the same time, we're not fighting it by ourselves. The Holy Spirit's there empowering us, reminding us. So he's going to complete the work. But there are those distractions that are calling out. And sometimes they call out louder, you know, than other times. And so just to wrap this up, you know, obviously we try to bring the focus back to Jesus and how he was example of this. So how, you know, obviously I said at the beginning that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And so Jesus experienced growth as a man. And how can we relate to that? How does that help us to be have a more intimate relationship with him since it's his spirit living in us? He's had that experience. He knows what that's like. How does that improve and deepen that relationship? Well, you know, Scripture says that he humbled himself, and even though he's fully God, he became man, emptied himself is what Philippians yeah. says. And I personally believe that he emptied himself of all of his Godhead in terms of how he was fully God. He didn't, he could have called down the angels from heaven and he didn't. And so what he was doing was depending on the spirit of God, right? He said, I don't do anything unless I see the spirit. I mean, the father's doing it or telling me to do it, essentially. We yeah. both paraphrase. And so the idea here is that he knows what this growth journey is like because he knew how to depend on the spirit. And that's the growth journey. And so it focuses in on, hey, he did the same thing he's calling us to do. Yeah. Listen to the spirit. Growing. I think he he sat among the religious teachers. I think that's where he was learning the word, right? Yeah. As a human, the human aspect of his limitations, he was literally a student of the word. Mm-hmm. So and the Bible says that he's also tempted in every way. So every, any area of temptation in our growth journey he would have. Yeah. So if the father was calling him to study the scrolls and he wanted to sleep in or whatever, you know, he got that temptation. <laughs> yeah. Except he continuously, he never sinned. He continuously listened. And so it gives us this great compassion of our high priest that says, mm. I've, I've walked this mm. and I've got this. I'm yeah. powerful enough in you. Journey with me. Yeah. yeah, you know, he's he's our beautiful example. Not only has he our Savior and our Lord, but he's also this beautiful example of how to live as a human being. I mean, it, it blows me away if Jesus being God, he would get up early in the morning and get away and pray to the Father. And, okay, what, what does God have to pray about to God, you know? But mm. it was a conversation that they had, and it wasn't so that everybody would see him and say, oh, you're such a great prayer, Jesus, you know? Mm. It was just because he loved the Father, and he knew the Father heard him. Mm. And they had this conversation, and I look at that, and I say, there's my example, you know, get up, go pray and spend time with the father, not to, you know, feel better about myself, but just to get to know God. And so that's a beautiful thing about his life is he did show us how to walk in intimacy with God. And in John 17, you get a window into just how intimate they were, where Jesus is talking to the father about us, and he was talking about their oneness and how his whole desire of his purpose was that we could enjoy that. We could come into that oneness and know that he's in us and we're in him and that we can have this fellowship, this one heart and one mind through the Holy Spirit. And to me, that's so encouraging about Jesus. I love the story. When he was, uh, he stayed behind in Jerusalem and his parents you realize, whoa, where's Jesus? And they went back and they found him at the temple. And why did you do this? And I love his answer. Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? And he was a young young boy, and already there was an intimacy there with his father that he was participating in, and he was listening, and he was doing what the father was leading him to do. And I don't think... 
I mean, you can make an argument that Jesus intentionally, I've got to be disciplined. You know, I think it was more organic and natural. And and what we see, yes, it looks like OCD discipline, mm. but he was doing what he wanted to do. Yeah. And he wanted to have fellowship with his father. Yeah. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Like I said at the beginning, I know this conversation sometimes can be bring people down or, you know, make people feel condemned about their performance. But I think hopefully we've cleared it up a little bit that we can have hope and security in that God is working in us and that in our dependence upon God, he is the one at work and he loves it. And, and so thank you so much for your discussion. Thank you for your time. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you next week. Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Brazina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all of our free content is made available to you because of the generosity of people from all around the world, people just like you. God bless and see you next week.